Think we'll ever catch these guys? Maybe. Something isn't adding up. The executives? Yeah. I think we're missing something on their profile. It's not like we can even get fingerprints. I mean, they wear gloves all the time. No facial recognition because of the masks. Maybe they're not even in the system. Maybe they're not even American. Maybe they're not even guys. Just gonna check out a few things. Care to share? It's probably nothing. But if it pans out, I'll give you a call. Later. Okay, here we go. Hello, everyone. This is Gruesome Herzog. My very special guest is actor-producer Roberto Lombardi. Roberto, how the hell hey. are you? Hey. I am good. How you doing? Great. Thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. No problemo. Um, as you know, I interviewed Chris, and of course, we interviewed Chris, and I also talked to that Andrew Roth, and you guys all have Chris, stuff in common. Chris and who? Chris? Uh, it, <laughs> that guy that has that uh, that really, um, really um, has that stare. Uh, uh-huh. I, I think he's in. I, I think he's somewhere in New York. I ain't sure. He might be in. I don't know. He he might be living in a cardboard box somewhere, for all I know. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, Andrew, we love you, brother. Don't worry about it, okay? But anyways, um, I came across uh, all, all you guys, um, you know, talking to Chris and some movies and some short films, and uh, I knew Andrew before that because we were playmates back in the 80s, believe it or not. But um, anyways... You have one that I reviewed that um, I thought was fantastic, and that's just me. I don't know anybody else. I haven't had it except for one person that hassled me about it. But Methodic, um, I thought it was a very, very interesting slasher killer movie that I thought was... I mean, from from what he had to use to make it, it was fantastic and well-made. No, he told and me some... for ten for a ten day shoot, it was really incredibly well made. That's I had a really great time making that. I, you couldn't have asked for a better cast. You couldn't have asked for a better story or or director. And that location that um, a good chunk of it was shot in uh, the uh, the asylum, the uh, abandoned asylum up there, I, just atmosphere wise, you couldn't ask for anything better. Um, and I'm only in that movie for a little bit. I, I mean, I have a little principal role in it, but it's actually going to be expanded, and it was expanded in Methodic 1.5. Um, kind of showed more where my storyline was going, and there is um, finances pending, <laughs> um, a Methodic 2 and a Methodic 3 planned, which oh, I'll be yeah. in both of those. Oh, yeah. yeah. I know. Oh, yeah. And uh, Possibility Moa will be in there, too. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Oh, oh, see that? I learned something new today. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe, because you guys ain't that far away from me. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I understand that you had a small role, but the fact of the matter is, you were in there. You were there, and Andrew Roth had a small role too. But you know, you know, I can still pick a picky guys out, and and uh, you know, it takes chemistry to make a movie, and I think the chemistry, from what I seen on my side of it, the chemistry was pretty good. You know what I mean? It was, it was really good. Um, I'm still friends with all those actors. We talk from time to time, and most mostly everybody who is in Methodic. And obviously, I've worked with Chris um, a lot since Methodic, which was in two. We actually did that in 2007, even though the DVD didn't come out in 2009. But yeah, between 2007 and now, I, Chris and I have done. Man, I can't even. I'd have to think about how many projects. <laughs> a lot, yeah. a lot, a lot of projects. Yeah, but you know what? There's a lot of projects that you did. See, Chris, I think, is the only person that I've known besides another uh, act, director, Patrick Ray, is he has a knack of short films. I mean, some. I mean, he can make them, and when he makes them, they're fantastic. Um, you know what I mean? Some people have it, and some people don't. But he has the, the skills to pull these short films off, and trust me, he has like over, over 150 of them that you can watch. So... Uh-huh. But um, the next film that um, I'm going to mention to you, mention I wasn't going to, but I'm just dying to hear your experiences. The Happening in 2008. I mean, you played 
father and Elliot's group. Now, what yeah. was your experiences? I mean, as far as somewhat of a mainstream film. Uh, honestly, and and this is actually making that film was one of my favorite experiences. Uh, it gave me my first real taste of being able to work on a set like that, which you know I think the budget for that movie was somewhere between forty and sixty million dollars. So I worked on it for two weeks, and uh, I had originally had just gone in as a, a, an extra and got bumped up to kind of a featured extra, and uh, that happened during the course of filming. I think I was only supposed to be there for about two, three days, and um, I got selected to um, have my part upgraded and be in scenes with uh, the leads of the film, which were Mark Wahlberg and Zoe Deschanel. Right. And just the experience of it now, and I know people have their opinions about the movie, whether it was good, bad, and different. Um, but just making the movie is it was one of the most fun times I've ever had making a movie. Just everybody on that set is a totally professional set. Um, I'm, I'm here to tell you that no matter what you've heard about M Night Shyamalan and he's got an ego and whatever, that was not my experience with him at all. Uh, he couldn't have been nicer. He knew people's names. He was pleasant, smiling, no yelling, no screaming. Everybody really enjoyed crew too, not just cast. Crew too enjoyed working on that set. And um, I mean, it was hot. It was all outside. It was in September of 2008. A lot of hot weather, bright sunny days, 90 something degrees every day, and you're running around in a field and everything. It was it was fun. Right. But um, probably one of my favorite parts of that uh, was the food. <laughs> the amazing food that they brought out. They brought this catering company from California, and they just did, like, theme days for food. Mm. They refrigerated a tent and made homemade sushi one day. That's what I'm talking about with, like, the food. Wow. But, yeah, that was a great great experience. Well, I like that film, and, and, and you're right. A lot of podcasters I've heard over the months that... Um, some of them defend him, some of them like him, and other people who don't just bash him. But, you know, he's not really a horror director. I mean, he... No. And some of the films that he makes that I really loved until the ending, it really pisses me off, you know? And it's not him, it's just, that's just his style of writing. But I liked The Happening. I mean, I liked it. I mean, in science, uh, what's it, what's it, what's this biggest one? One of Bruce Willis, um... Um, Six Sense. Yeah, that was good too. Yeah. But now yeah. the now the other one I didn't care for the one where something the train. The hell was it? They had a train With accident. Train? Yeah, they had. Train. Oh, oh, Unbreakable. Oh, yeah. I hated that uh, unbreak- one. I couldn't get through it. <laughs> there's supposed to be a sequel coming to that. I don't know what they're going to call it, but I, I think there's a sequel to that coming. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think he gets marketed wrong. That's my opinion. Yeah, that most I agree. Films get marketed. They get marketed as horror, and they're not horror. They're, those films are basically all relationship films. They're about either a couple or a family that has some kind of issue within their family, and then this otherworldly or hor- horrific thing happens that's outside of their family, and then they all have to cope with it, and it usually brings the family or the couple together at the end of it. And that's what his movies are basically about, relationships, not horror. Right. And, you know, and I, I dig them. I don't, I don't mind them. But now I'm going to switch, switch tracks here, and I'm going to talk about a comedy here, because um, there is comedy fans along with horror fans. So, Bazooka's the movie in 2009. It was directed by Michael G. Leonard. What do you yeah. have... What, what can you tell us about this? That movie uh, is like a cross between Porky's and Old School, but it's set in a gym. It's about two brothers uh, whose father passes away, and he leaves the gym to the two brothers, and one brother wants to level the gym and sell the property and make it into an office building, and the other one wants to keep the gym and you know, kind of honor his father because his father loved it. But well, that doesn't particularly sound funny off the offset, but what ensues in the movie is is the way they decide to keep the gym is like they put all these little sexy kind of porkies like classes in oh. it you know, like a strip aerobics class and a strip you know uh, aquatic instructor class and it just and it just goes on and on and there's relationships between the people that work there and it, it was it was really funny the whole thing was shot probably um, 
off and on between October and December of 2006. And then it was in post-production for a long time and came out in 2009. But the whole thing was filmed between 10 at night and 6 in the morning every night. Well, on on IMDb, uh, a review came in that said, it's so good it should be in the theaters. That was flattering. That was nice. That's whoever said that. I will check it out. I I could see it being in the theaters because it just has that kind of a thing. It's college humor. If you like college humor, you'll like that. Right. I was assuming that. Um, Now, yeah, so that's that's one of the ones I would check out, but I'd like to throw in some... um, new stuff that I haven't seen before to talk about. The next one is another film that I have not seen that I do want to see, and it's called Abduction in 2009, directed by John Oricchio. Oricchio, correct. Oricchio. Yep, Oricchio. Yep. John's a really good guy. We work together. I work together work with John almost as much as I work with Chris. Um, in fact, I actually produced films with John now after um, working on Abduction with him. And uh, we we worked on that film for a little over a year. That film is about uh, a town of people. It's this little out-of-the-way New Jersey town that's called Process. Um, it's very picturesque, you know, beautiful rolling hills and quaint little shops and stuff like that, but it, that's the outside. The underbelly of that town is that everybody who lives and works there are a bunch of inbred freaks, mm. <laughs> and it. they ki- they kidnap unsuspecting tourists, and they either sell their body parts, or they sell the women into sex slavery, or they impregnate the women and sell the babies on the black market. And the townspeople do this with absolutely no regard for humanity and really no emotion. The only emotion they show is when um, their livelihood, which is kidnapping these people, is threatened. Then there's a little bit of emotion, but the act of the killing and stuff that goes on, it's completely devoid. It's very Michael Myers, but we're talking. <laughs> wow, you know, I want to see this. Now, also, another reviewer said this, abduction is impressive. That is another nice thing to say. Um, I enjoyed making abduction, and for the most part, I think we achieved what we wanted to go after with abduction. Uh, we had some casting issues with abduction, had to replace people part of the way through, which meant reshoots. And then towards the end of it, we had trouble having uh, a few actors show up. Right. And we had to rewrite parts of it, and I think that kind of harmed the ending of the film a little bit. Now, I'll be honest with you, um, but for for the most part, I was happy with it. With, with the intent that we had for the film, we achieved what we intended to do with the film. So I was happy with that. Yeah, and Damien... And it won, it won an award. <laughs> yep, and Damien Coletti, he's a New Jersey... I mean, he's a Pennsylvania boy. Yes, he is. He played Otto. Yeah, yeah, because he was in uh, one of the short films for Chris, correct? Yeah, I think he was in um, Electra, The Hand in the Devil. Yes. And uh, Maniac Cop with me. Yes. We were both in it. Yes. Um, if you want to talk about Maniac Cop, you can go right ahead. I was browsed over it. Um, but Maniac, go ahead, talk about Maniac Cop. Yeah, that was done as, but Chris wanted to do that as kind of a, um, a reboot to um, try and get the rights for the movie to uh, do his version of it. Right. And we shot that, I think it was two hours maybe. We, uh, we all piled into a car, drove into um, Times Square, shot the opening scene, got stopped by the cops because um, we had this gigantic maniac cop with scars all over his face and cop gear, and the cop's like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> and then we like flew over to another side of town and did the alley scenes for it, and I think like two, two and a half hours it was done, and, you know, Chris, it was online the next day. Wow. Uh, but it came out for, for shooting it in two hours. I, I was really happy with it. Nice. Yeah, I saw that. That, that was quite... Uh... Uh, when you see the cop, it, it looks almost like the original from Robert. the eighties. Yeah. yeah. Now the next one you mentioned earlier, Methodic One Point Five. Now I talked to Chris about this, which I've yet to see it. I'm going to watch it. I'm so far behind. But go ahead and, and you mentioned about there's more of a backstory of your character in this. 
Right. It kind of gives you a, a little bit of backstory about my character, and it gives you a little bit of backstory about what the Doll Man actually is. The Doll Man, it kind of alludes that the Doll Man is more like a virus that you can catch. Okay. Because a little kid in school um, starts drawing pictures of the Doll Man, and the little girl who brings the pictures home doesn't get infected by it, but her father does. Okay. And you see this transformation of the father actually becoming the doll man. And he kind of goes after his family. And then after all is said and done with that, um, uh, the police are involved. And, and I am actually Cordell, who is a doctor. And my character from the first movie pops in and, and he you know, gives the cop the forensics report on what happened and hands him the mask and everything. And then at the end of it, I kind of say, and I get a, a text and I have to wind up leaving because there's something wrong with my son, which is actually what happens at the end of Methodic. Right. My son gets infected with the Dollman virus. And it's kind of like a bridge between the last a act of um, Methodic, the first movie, then Methodic, the events of Methodic 1.5 kind of take place, and then the end of Methodic happens where you see the kid in the room and he looks up um, right. and everything. Uh, so it's kind of like meant to explain a little more about the doll man or a little bit more about my character and my character's family because that, those events actually take place and go on in, in what Chris is going to do in the second movie. Nice. Well, the next one is a superhero movie, as he has it labeled on his website. It's Mr. J. Um, yeah. Directed by Kim Santiago and Chris R. Notarelli. Yes. Um, and I'm going to say right now, I think Chris was absolutely brilliant as the Joker. Um, I, I was shocked when we, when we first started doing it because I, I watched the. Um, it's actually a, um, a webisode that he, four webisodes that he edited together, and, and watching them all together is actually really cool because he has them edited together. But the first part of it uh, was "Call Me Mr. J," which was just basically him and Dr. Quinzel, and you, you kind of see how he takes her over. And the second part is him forcing her to um, become Harley Quinn by killing my character, which was Dr. David Sermon. And then it goes on, you know, like some of the other uh, um, people from that universe are, are involved, like you, you see uh, um, the Scarecrow and you see the Penguin and the Riddler, and then they all are more in the fourth part. But, yeah, I just thought Chris was brilliant in it. When I first saw it, I, I was like, wow. <laughs> I know. And Mandy Evans is Catwoman. I can see that. Uh, yeah, because Mandy has this ability to be... She just kind of falls right into whatever character she's playing. And, and, and some of the stuff I've seen her do, she's very vulnerable. And then some of the stuff I've seen her do, she's absolutely, you know, sociopath. And then and with playing Catwoman, she's like very playful and slinky, but, you know, dangerous at the same time. And I thought she did a really great job in that. Well, we're going to talk about a film that she was in that I saw a couple of days ago that I can't see and not stop watching, that <laughs> she played one of the badass, well, I'll shut up, I'll wait till, <laughs> till that comes up, but the next, <laughs> the next one is a comic book character, um, Punisher, 79-82, um, Chris went in detail about the Punisher and his thoughts about it, you know, about the originals and, and so forth down. But now, what was your experience in Punisher, the 79 through 82? Okay, I, I watched the first three. <laughs> um, I wasn't in them, but I watched them. Um, I really enjoyed um, Thomas Daniels' performance um, as, uh, oh God, what the hell is his name? Um, the one with the scars all over his face. I'm blanking out here. I should turn on my computer and, and do it. Well, Dolph Lundgren, but, um, Dolph Lundgren was in the one in the 80s, correct? Yes. Yeah, but I didn't I didn't see that. But, uh, well, Sean Parr, first of all, I, you couldn't have asked for a better person to play the Punisher. Right. I mean, that, that guy, he's another one. He just falls right into whatever character he's portraying. And um, all four of those Punishers, he, he just does an amazing job. Um, and I, I liked how they progressed from year to year, and I liked that there was that they took place in different years. I was actually in the fourth part, and I have a small part in that as well. I, I played Alexander Bott, which is a really minor character in that universe. But I liked that. I thought that was really cool that um, 
because I, I actually I've looked at the comic and I, I've looked at uh, on Wikipedia. I actually looked it up too. I actually kind of look like the Alexander Bond comic. Okay. So I went out and, and I got the, um, the outfit together. He wears a trench coat, you know, and I got the hat that he wears and everything. And he always had brass knuckles. So I, I showed up for the the photo shoot, and Chris actually said that was his favorite picture out of um, all the villains for the shoot. Oh wow! So I was happy with that. <laughs> that's a that's a compliment. It really is. Now the next one that I have yet to see, like I said, he has so many of them. Um, Escape from New Jersey. Now that yeah, that's one of my favorite films I've done with Chris. Um, that was also a four part four part uh, web series that is now edited. All four parts are edited together, so it's an actual film now. Um, that film takes place between the events of the end of Escape from New York and the beginning of Escape from L.A. And you, that film, it, it slips neatly in. It bridges the gap between them. It mentions characters from the first movie and the second movie, has characters from both, and it plus a bunch of new characters. And it, you find out why Snake went to prison and escaped from New York. Um, my character actually forced him to rob the bank that got him sent to New York. And I play Armando Morone in that. Um, I really enjoyed that film. I, I thought that the writing was stellar. I thought the acting was really well done. I, you know, Chris directed it really well. Chris acted in it. He played Jack Burton. Great cameo from another one of Kurt Russell's films. Um, Big Trouble in Little China. So mm-hmm. you've got two Kurt Russell characters in one movie, which I really like. And the star of the movie, um, Hector De La Rosa, had never acted in anything before. And I- this one is with a, um, you're with a punk friend of mine. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder who we're going to talk about now. <laughs> you play the target, and Andrew, <laughs> and Andrew Roth played the hitman. Now, Andrew I, Ross. Oh no, we got to talk about him. No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Andrew, I interviewed him last week, and um, we're going to redo it hopefully one day this week if I can get time in there. But he played the hitman. You played the target. I, I reviewed mm-hmm. a short film the other day. Um, finally, had a chance to watch it. And in my review, you heard what, my, what I said in my review. I said, you know, Andrew Roth has this. Um, he gets in the zone, and he has this really, you know, that stern stare, and he gets into his character. And what I thought was neat about this short film is your chem- is the chemistry between these two back and forth. He'd say something, you say something back. You know, right. it, was just, it was just you could tell that there, that there was chemistry between these two. You know, people talk yeah. about people talk about oh, it's short films. I mean, they ain't that hard to do. Well, they're short films, but you have to compact everything in a short film, and you have to really, you know, get it right. And used to got it right. I mean, it was just perfect, you know. And go ahead and give the listeners an idea about Kill or Be Killed. Uh, that's actually one of my favorite things I've ever done. Um, and you're right; there was a definite chemistry between Andrew and I when, when we did that film. Um, and you know, well, on top of the fact that we became friends working on that film, you, know, you just have you know when you meet somebody and you know you're working with them on a project and you know it's just really you know, it's just flowing, everything's working out really well. That's how Killer Be Killed was. We had just a, you know that what we were both really focused on it. We really wanted to make it good because that type of film, it's you know yeah, it's about a hitman and it's about a target and it's about gun violence and, you know, loan sharking and stuff like that. But that is what they call a talking head film. This is two guys in a restaurant, and you have to act the part. You have to be an actor to do that. Right. You know, you can't, you can't show up to that and, and you know, don't not bring your A.D. into that because, you know, there were a lot, there was a, there was a lot of shift in the dynamic to that. Um, Andrew's character is there to kill me. He thinks he's meeting me at the restaurant. We're going to leave. He's going to shoot me, and that's going to be the end of it. But I throw him a curveball by inviting him to lunch. And he accepts. And during the course of the lunch, the dynamic changes. Right. He was in control in the beginning of it, and I'm in control at the end of it. And then he kind of takes control at the very end of it 
of his own destiny. Right. By, you know, he takes control by allowing me to, to get away. And I hate to be, I'm giving spoilers here, but then I won't give the ending spoiler away, but then he takes control of his own life. But there are a lot of interesting things though about, just by the way, you know, Andy was very in control and very stern at the beginning of it and almost sarcastic, and I was kind of a little bit timid. Then I slowly got a little sarcastic and he started to get a little timid. And then at the end of it, we both really knew what was going on between the two characters and it was understood between us and it was a bit emotional. More for him than it was for me. It was a little emotional scene for me. But there were other things that were done with Killer Be Killed that I thought direction-wise were brilliant. If you look at that, I'm sitting under this very stark light at the beginning of it. Like mm-hmm. It's almost like a spotlight, and Andrew is kind of not in the spotlight. And Chris did a really interesting thing with the lighting, is that slowly during the course of filming that, the light shifts over to Andy and his character, and it, it takes the spotlight away from me and onto him, because he's got to make decisions on what happens at the end of the film. And then by the end of it, you know... You saw it. You know what happened. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to give too much away. Right now, I, there's, you're right, but there's one part I'm gonna sneak it by you, but not say it. There's something okay. that you say what made him change his mind because you can see it in Andrew's face when you said it. Yeah. So uh, I know what part you're talking about. So I'll leave a go at that. Um, I like that one. Now a lot of people don't know this. Um, you played, if I'm mistaken which I'm not mistaken. But you played Freddy Krueger. Okay? Yes. Um, it's a short film, which I'm going to watch. I'm going to get time and watch all of them at the same time. But you played in a, in a, in a short film called Krueger, A Tale from Elm Street in 2011. Yes. Now, yes. go ahead. Now, I need to know this, and so listeners, what was it like to play a character like Freddy Krueger knowing that you can easily get backlash from it? Because you you know how it is with the new Freddy Krueger. Everybody's bitching that it ain't Robert England, you know. And and um, go ahead, tell us, tell us, tell us, tell us, the listeners and us and myself. Was it? What was it like to play Freddy Krueger? Okay, I'm sorry. This I is uh, <laughs> honestly, honestly, when Chris approached me about doing it, and I read the script, I thought to myself, "This is a great script because it's a prequel." Um, it's before Freddy's dead. It's before he's burned into the dream demon. It's Freddy in life. And it's it's the events that lead up to him getting burned. Um, and so you don't see him in makeup at all. I'm not in any makeup at all, other than the fact that I have blonde hair in it. But um, honestly, I read the script and I thought, wow, this is really great. And then I like as I'm reading it and I'm preparing for it, it scared the shit out of me because I'm thinking to myself exactly what you said. You know, the 2010 movie came out and immediately people were like bashing it left and right. Oh, Jackie Earl Haley, oh, he's awful. And I don't personally think he's awful. He's not. Um, he's not. He's not awful. Um, my issue with that was, was the script, but that's a different story. Right. Um, and, you know, so that was kind of intimidating. It kind of scared me a little, and it was intimidating. And then, you know, once it was done, I was happy. After we filmed it, I thought, we did a good job with it. I'm, I'm happy with my performance. I'm happy with everybody else's performance. I'm happy with the film. Now I'm going to sit back, and I think that at least 50% of the people that watch this are going to bash the hell out of me. And I was pleasantly surprised that that didn't happen. A few people did, and that's just life that's just you know not everybody's going to love everything no, you do, but like yeah, a, right. a good and a, like no lie a good 90 something percent of the people who watched Kruger loved it and you know I, I have people writing me all the time telling me how much they liked it and that that you know they think I should be in playing Kruger instead of Jackie and I'm like and that's very flattering and very nice and totally unexpected right well since <laughs> but the about- film is no, I'm sorry go ahead no go ahead I'm sorry I was going to say, but the Kruger film itself, it's, again, Freddy's arrested and he's being in, in, interrogated by Nancy's father. And Nancy and Nancy's father, Lieutenant Thompson, really tries to control the situation and loses. Just loses. I totally get the better of him, 
by the end of the film, you, and you get all facets of Freddy in, in this short. You get the early Freddy from the first couple of films that was very, um, you know, evil and, and low-mannered voice and not a lot of the sarcasm. And then by the end of the movie, you get the latter movie, Freddy's, where he's very boisterous and sarcastic and kind of, you know, mocking and the, the laugh and everything. And I, the, my main thing in playing Freddy for the movie was I didn't want to try and carbon copy um, Robert England at all. Right. Yeah, I wanted to do some of the mannerisms. Yeah, I wanted some of the vocal inflections to be in there. But I wanted it to be in my voice, and I wanted to play it the way I wanted to do it because right. I felt it would be honest that way. Right. And I didn't want anybody to say, oh, look at him. He's trying to imitate Robert England. Because you can't. Robert originated the role, and he's amazing at it. Nobody's ever going to top him. Nope. That's just the way it is. Exactly. Now, I was going to wait to the end of this one, but you are filming one this Sunday. Um, yes. That's Nightmare. Saturday. Saturday. The Nightmare Ends yes. on Halloween 2. Is that correct? That's yes. the one? That's, that's correct. Now, go ahead and mention some that you can um, about it, because I'm anxious to see this myself. Okay, it is a sequel to Chris's 2004 film, The Nightmare Ends on Halloween, um, which is actually you know, a totally different group of actors. But um, the story is going to actually pick up where the last one left off and show you what happens afterwards. Um, I'm sure Chris's fans are very familiar with the movie because it did really well on YouTube um, and everything. But um, it's basically about Freddy encountering Pinhead, Michael Myers, Leatherface, and um, Jason Voorhees. And it ends right where they're about to all fight. And it's going to, you know, this isn't really giving anything away. It's going to pick up with the fight and then go from there. And there's a really cool ending to it that people are not going to expect. That's all I'll say. <laughs> that's, all, that's all I'll ask. Um, I'll be looking forward to seeing it. But, uh, yeah, I was talking to Chris on Sunday, and he mentioned to me. So... Um, We'll see where that goes. I'm going to, I might try and make a trip up. Uh, we'll see how my day goes on Saturday, but, uh, you know, I'll look it up. But the next one, um, it's called The Cemetery in 2011. I interviewed Adam Huss a while ago, uh -huh. and he talked about this film. And I hear I come to find out that you're in it also. It's directed yeah. by Adam... Albrandt. Albrandt. Yeah, Adam Albrandt. Yep. And go yeah. ahead, and uh, it says status update August 20th, 2011. Now, you did mention that they're doing some pickups or whatever. But can you give the listeners an idea of what this is about? You know, try and say what you can say and not say to, you know. Sure. Uh, the cemetery is about a group of people who go into the woods. They're camping in the woods. They go out there specifically to, um, uh, let's say, get in touch with the spiritual aspect of what they're doing and, you know, what's out there. And it turns out that there's a burial ground out there. And there's a, I'm actually in all the flashback scenes. I play a head, this priest, this, like, head priest, who um, tortured people into religious submission, let's put it that way. Okay. That doesn't really give anything away. And um, one of the people that I tortured actually comes back and goes after these people in the woods in present day. And my character is, is all flashbacks, like I said. What I will say about this is uh, it's, that is another movie that I had probably a, one of the most fun times recording because it was so over the top, and it is definitely the bloodiest movie I have ever been involved with. It was just... <laughs> I don't want to give it away, but you know, if you've seen any of... Um, any of other of uh, Adam Albrandt's movies, uh, she gets special effects people that love what they do, <laughs> oh, wow. and gets them involved in their films. And it, if you like like a scary blood fest, you're gonna love this movie. Well, Meg was played by Ruby Larocca. No, yeah. I, I had the honor of meeting her um, in Labor, Labor Day weekend, and of course, I interviewed Adam Huss. And I also know a lady by the name of Liz Walsh who played a torture oh. victim. Yeah, Liz is awesome. Liz and I have a really cool scene together. She's in the flashbacks, too. And, you know, that, to look at Liz, you wouldn't think that she would be capable of doing the type <laughs> of acting that she did in this movie. But 
You know, he just basically said, you know, Liz, lay down, do this, scream your head off, act like an absolute insane person, and she's okay. And she just goes ahead and does it. And <laughs> it's, it's just that much more scary. Um, I don't know. I thought the scene was very um, Sam Raimi. That's a good comparison. Okay. Well, I'm familiar with, with Liz Walsh from a short film that I watched a while back called Gitchy, a tickling <laughs> clown who kills people. And they took him to death. So that's that's how I got to know who Liz Walsh was. So that said, now the next film, um, I reviewed it. I fucking love it. There, I said the F word. Oops. Um, Oops. Standoff. Okay. Yeah. Now, I have a slogan for this film, a quote for this film. Badass, bank robbing, babes. <laughs> Now, and that would be the perfect slogan for that movie. <laughs> and I want to tell you something. Mandy, and, and Mandy loves that, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I try to be creative. Yeah, try to try to think of something creative, and it, that that just came to my head as I was doing the review, and it's sticking. <laughs> but I'm telling you something, uh, Roberto. Watching it, uh, Chris sent me a private link to watch this. Now we talked about it in the interview, so I got I was pleasantly surprised when I get an email on Facebook saying, "Hey, here's a link. Review it for me. Let me know what you think." Now it's not a horror; it's an action film. But I'm telling you right. something: I am not much for films that have just women cast members in action. I just don't know why. I just never really got into it. But I'm telling you right now. When I pop, when it not popped up, when I watched this, amazing film. I mean, it starts off and it ends. It's nonstop, and the scene at the end of the film when you come in into the scene in the final story, uh, freaking brilliant. I love you. all the girls. I love your character in that film. I love the. It just, I. I'm telling you something. Mandy is a new love for me, as far as her acting. She's amazing. As far as her acting ability, she would. I mean, look, you know, they all were great. Um, um, Sims, um, Youngblood, yep. who played by Kim Santiago. Sims was yep. played by Carrie Miller. Um, oh God, Ella Jane. Uh oh. Ella Jane New. Ella Jane New. Ella Jane mm-hmm. New. I mean, mm-hmm. these four girls. I, you know, I never really knew what a Mexican standoff is because I'm not into that stuff. I'm into horror, you know. And I'm mm-hmm. telling you what, I have to be careful what I say because it's still not available. But I'm telling you something: the very first kill in that film, okay, mm-hmm. totally blew me away. I was not expecting that. And Sims, she played yeah. that part. Perfect. I mean, the special effects in that film was amazing. I told Chris that. You know, when you do gunshot, you know, stuff, and sometimes the CGI looks really bad, you know, but yep. that was on point. And uh, Mandy, uh, for once, uh, I'll, I'll say this. This is not giving it away. She's freaking bitching and going on and having a piece of pizza in her mouth. Oh, Carrie, Carrie. Oh, wait, which part? At the end of the movie with, with Mandy? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I Crying say, and eating pizza. Yeah. <laughs> fantastic. I mean, it, I mean, it had so much human common denominators in this film, it just made it even better. So, I'm rambling, so now I'll let you talk now. <laughs> I really... Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll start off by saying that that is also one of my very favorite films I've, I've ever done. Um, I read that script and thought to myself, where have you been hiding this, Chris, and why haven't we done this before? But, you know, every, everything happens for a reason. Um, I don't think that if it was made earlier that maybe those actors wouldn't have been involved in it because Chris didn't know a couple of them. Right. But, you know, it, it's, it started out, um, we, we had a table read of it, and I got a sense of how it was going to go when, when we did the table read. And, I'm going to echo your sentiments here. Mandy's amazing. Um, she fits, I said before, she can fit herself into any character and be vulnerable, slinky, sexy, whatever she has to be, she does it. And, you know, she's amazing. 
Ella, I have to give her special props because Ella was cast after we started shooting. We had a casting change. And um, she got cast in the film, and 24 hours later, she was on set doing that part that you just talked about. Mm-hmm. 24 hours. We had had the script for you know a couple of months. She had it for 24 hours and came in and did that performance that you were talking about. And I, I thought to myself, big props there because that's not easy to do. And especially to fit into a cast of people that have been working on it for a while. She fit in, you know, just like amazingly. Yeah. Um, Carrie Miller, I think, is, you know, she can play anything. She's She can be badass and beautiful or she can be sexy and she's just an amazing, amazing actor. And Kim, yeah, Kim is... Just, how how can you say anything bad about Kim? Kim is so focused on her acting. She would go, and and when she had an extremely emotional scene to do, she would go away for like two minutes, come back, and just nail it. One take, and then if Chris wanted a different angle, do it again, same thing, nailed it again, one take. And from that, that's why she's in another film with me, because I was so impressed with her performance in that that I wanted her in a different film. But, um, yeah, nothing bad to say about any of them. The, the woman who plays my partner in it, Casey Williams, again, um, she was thrown in at the last minute because we wanted to put some you know, different parts in the film. She came right in, fell right into the cop role, did an amazing job. And all the cast did. Everybody who was involved in the movie came out and brought their A-game. I was very happy with it. But, you know, I think it's going to get compared to um, like, a, make it like a female Reservoir Dogs. And that's a, you know that's that's a compliment to me. If anybody says that, that's a compliment. Right now, I do want to give proper respect. Okay, Mandy mm-hmm. Evans played Fox. Okay, yeah. Kim Santiago played Young Blood. Right. Carrie Miller played Tess. Ella Jane yep. New played Sims. You played yep. Officer Cole, and Casey yep. Williams played Officer Miller. And we can't forget Tony Danica as Dan Grant because Dan Grant was actually the, his name in Methodic. Methodic. Yep. So, you know, yeah. and the cast is great. You know, Frank Fatta, Vince Puma, Hector De La Rosa, and on and on and on. And I don't want to give any disrespect and not mention everyone's names, but badass bank-robbing babes. That's what I say. <laughs> and I'm going to stick with it because I'm very impressed by all four four of the, of the, of the bank robbers. And I'm, I was impressed with Casey Williams and, of course, yourself. So I don't want to go on about this forever. I cannot stop talking about it. I tell everybody that I know, that I work with, you know, and I just, it's just something that certain movies that I watch recently, if I really dig it, it stays in my head, and I can't stop talking about it. And I've watched this thing four times already. So that, that just goes yeah. to show you how much I like it. And, and every time I watch it, you know, it gets better and better and better. And the Fox, I can't say it enough. She was so impressive. Young Blood was that snappy newcomer that didn't take no sass, and Sims was the um, was the. I guess you can say she was more like the goody, not goody two shoes, but more the quiet type, happy go lucky type. And Tess, I thought she was the mediator. Right. I thought that Sims was like the mediator. Yeah. And Tess, that <laughs> I love <laughs> Tess in there too. I mean. Carrie Miller. I mean, again, girls, I dig everything you guys did. So hopefully you all get back to me so we can have a podcast. I like to have all four ladies. It might be hard. I might only get three of them. But, or I can hold it off until I do. But that's going to be a fun podcast coming up, having those bank-robbing babes on my podcast at one time. What do you think? <laughs> I think that would be amazing. I think your audience would love that. <laughs> Yeah, okay. If, you, if your audience likes action movies too, I mean, this is an action movie, right? So, all right. Well, I'll stop talking about that. Maybe I shouldn't, but I really enjoyed that one. Now, the next one, the, the, these next three are in post production, correct? Yes. This one's called Dead Collections in 2011. Now, you mentioned a little earlier that you wanted her to do some work with you, and that yeah. would be Kim Santiago. She plays Sarah Kimmick, and you played yeah. Thomas Kellen. Oh, Edward X. Yeah. Young, a funeral director. You know, Edward X. Yep. Young seems to play a lot of the funeral funeral director or a preacher in a lot of films lately, and, and he has a knack of doing it. Because he can nail the demeanor really well. 
That's why. Um, he just, he can, you ask Ed to do something in that type of character, and he instantly knows what to do with it. And he does, he doesn't disappoint in this either. The, the stuff we shot with him so far, he, he's gonna creep you out. Um, oh. this is gonna be a move, this basically Dead Collections is about, um, Sarah Kimmick, which is Kim's character. Um, her husband commits suicide. She loses her house. She goes bankrupt. She has to move into a creepy old house with her um, 90-year-old uncle. And weird things start happening. Lights go off. She starts seeing things. She starts thinking the house is haunted. And at the same time, she's got a bill collector after her, which is me. I'm the bill collector. And I kind of start stalking her to get the money. So she's got this... On one hand, she's got this crazy ghost thing to deal with, and on the other hand, she's got this stalker thing to deal with. And then there's this big twist at the end of the movie, which I'm not going to tell you about, but um, it's very cool. And the ghost effects are coming out amazing. Wow! In that movie. Well, I can tell you, there's a young lady in your in this movie that I interviewed, and I love her to death. That's Susie Lorraine. Oh, Susie is fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. She plays um, um, oh, my poor girlfriend in this movie. And uh, if you ever, if you go and look at any of the pictures we've posted of Susie and I, um, she's got a bruise on her face and a bruise on her arm, and it's it's not uh, not pretty. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Even though you put a bruise on Susie, she's still gorgeous. <laughs> I know, and she was fun to talk to too. I, I really enjoy interviewing her. She's a a great beautiful, young, talented actress. Now, yeah, we're going to do some pickup shots with her in a, um, a couple of weeks with Susie again, and I'm looking forward to that because um, it's always great working with her. Nice. Now, the next film, it's a drama, um, but I know there's people out there that is going to dig this one. Um, it's called Johnny Blue. Right. And go ahead. That, Johnny Johnny Blue and Dead Collections are also um, directed by uh, John Arricchio. Yes. Um, and but Johnny Blue specifically is um, it's a it's a straight up family type drama. Um, you know, a, a little bit of excitement in there. So I mean, it's not like a boring family drama. It's kind of like an exciting family drama. It's about two kids, one black kid, one white kid, um, who both play guitar and become friends from playing guitar. Um, through the course of events of the movie, you find out that the black kid's uh, father was murdered. And a little later on, you kind of figure out that somebody in the white kid's family might have been the person who killed his father. Uh-oh. And then there's a huge twist at the end of it. And I, I play their music teacher, Steve Bray. So I actually get to not play a bad guy for a change, which is nice. Um, what I really enjoy about this film is... Um, Besides the chance to do something that's a little bit different, is we got some uh, bigger, uh, more uh, well-known actors in it. Definitely Shirley Jones. Um, most people will absolutely know Shirley Jones mm -hmm. only, not only as being an Oscar winner, but as being Mrs. Partridge from the Partridge Family. Um, and we also have Kevin Sizemore, who happens to be married to my cousin Gina. Um, who is just recently in uh, the last Transformers movie, and he's also been on a ton of television. He's been on Prison Break, he's been on 24, all in recurring roles. Did Desperate Housewives last year, and he signed on to the project. So, nice. looking forward to doing that one. Excellent. So I'm actually see that too because I mean drama, but it has a murder mystery in it. So I'm intrigued. Yeah. You know. Now the next one is. Um, also, come on, Internet. See, I got to edit this shit out. <laughs> All right. The next one that I want to talk to you about, it's called Extinction. Um, you yeah. play General Red King. And that's come out in 2012 yeah. as well. Right. Um, that's in uh, early pre-production right now. Uh, that is a sci-fi movie. It is about um, an, a warrior, Steve Colossus, um, who it's it's one of these things where you can actually travel between worlds. There's three worlds, and there's a passageway to each world, and it's it's about it's it's I, it's hard for me to even 
tell you what it's about because uh, it's it's just about this, this these fighters these, who go between these worlds, and they're under the direction of my character, the General Red King, who again there's a big twist in the story, and it, it's really it's really a special effects laden. It's got dialogue in it, of course, but it's not going to be really heavy on the dialogue. It's going to be more geared towards the effects and the fighting and the, tra- the time traveling and the world traveling. And um, it's a very complicated but accessible script. And I don't want to give too much away right. about it because if I say too much about it, it's, it's going to be like, uh, you know, I, I just don't want to do that. I want, to, want people to be excited about it. And we have um, Luke Goss attached to the film, which I love him in that second Hellboy movie. I thought that was really cool. We have him attached to it. Um, we have some other great people, Richard Brake attached to it. Um, Kim's in it. Kim just got cast in it as well, Kim Santiago. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, she's going to play a warrior as well. And, you know, with her martial arts skills, that ought to be interesting. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to doing it. It's, we're going to shoot it in Louisiana. Nice. Um, is there anything else that uh, I missed or that you want to mention? No, I, I, not right now. I think you, you pretty much hit everything that I'm working on right now. Well, that's great. Well, thanks for coming on, Roberto. I mean, you. Um, I'll wait. there's a lot of films that I've seen and some I need to see. But you're on your way to a very damn good career. Um You've you have a variety of roles that you've done now, and I think that's most important for some of these actors today. Is you have to have a wide range of ability to play certain roles. You know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. I don't want to be too typecast. <laughs> right, because you went from a, a music teacher to I mean, and then you played Freddy Krueger, and you played this and that. You played a a, a victim. Well, you know what I mean, and killed or be killed. <laughs> right. Yep. But. Um, you know, I wish you all the best, and um, I want to thank you for coming on and taking time to chat with me. Um, I'm a big thank fan. Thank you for having me. No problem. Thank you. Um, I'll keep an eye on you, and uh, I look for these other films. So, I took up enough. I took up. I took up. Uh, yeah, spit it out, Scott. Edit, edit, edit. <laughs> 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 I took up enough of your time, and I really appreciate you coming on. And uh, you take care of yourself. You too. Thanks for having me. No problem. See ya. All right. Gruesome Herzog, the voice of horror.